Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Endless Cells podcast. And as you can hear, I'm still hoarse. I've got a bad throat. And if I cough, I've got the hands cough. I can't get rid of it. Any suggestions, let me know, because I've been trying and trying and trying. I've got suvers here. I've got medicine everywhere in the house, and just nothing's working. But as Celtic say, we never stop. We did for a while. We come back with a Who Wants to Be a Millionaire episode. We're back going to review the Derby game. And speaking of never stopping, Ross, what time did you and the lads stop yesterday? <laughs> uh, I think it was incrementally. Me, myself, was uh, two o'clock this morning. Uh, so, as you can hear, uh, I'm not sick, but uh, my voice is took a batter yesterday with all the shouting and the attention seating and the goal celebrating. So, aye, it's, it, it was a really good day. Uh, I mean, not quite the score we wanted, but better result for us than it was for Rangers. 100% but we will come on to the game and, and, and yourself Anthony how was your day yesterday did you enjoy the game uh, it was all good first of all happy, happy new year to both and oh, uh, to everyone watching and um, yeah I've watched it up at my sister's uh, Stephen she's uh, Lindsay's always the hostess with the mostest for the new year game and uh, so yeah like Ross uh, feeling a little bit hoarse today but uh, I called it a day a lot earlier uh, than the boys up at uh, Wally's house because I was working this morning I was back in the ward so uh Kept it relatively sane, and uh, yeah, I was back on the soft drinks by eight o'clock watching the darts. So, needless uh, <coughs> to say, next game against them, uh, normal service shall be resumed. Normal service indeed, but <clears throat> we managed to get away with the nine point lead, so that's all that really matters. And to be fair, you said you were back to work. I was back to work, and I have to be on phones, mate. It was an absolute disaster. People didn't understand the word I was saying. I was coughing a spot there, but we'll, we'll get through it. But what we did learn. Over the weekend, lads, and you know more about this foul than me, and I'll be interested to hear what you say. The unfortunate passing of Frank McGarvey, former Celtic player and St Mirren player, scored over 100 goals for Celtic, scored various amounts of goals throughout his career, representing Scotland. And I think we, the last time we all seen him was when he came onto the pitch at Celtic Park, thanking the fans for all the support, all the love and kindness to his family and himself. And it's just unfortunate, Ross, I mean, you're wearing the shirt that's associated with Frank McGarvey and, and that cup uh, cup final win which he scored in and my grand always tells me the story he was sold a week later or something like that madness but what what can you remember of the man what does he mean to you in Celtic Football Club I mean obviously he played more at a time that I can't really remember uh, same as like yourselves um, but obviously that goal uh, is it's, it's a really famous goal and it's one of the ones we've done it so many times against Dundee United uh, and that was another one of the times uh, and Frank McGarvey come up, came up with the, the goods that day and got us the cup uh, a diving header and he was just he, I mean he was Celtic through and through you would have to say uh, just like us uh, and just he, he was one of the ones that got lucky and he lived the dream uh, and that's just my thoughts go out to his, uh, close, his family and close friends yeah, it's a very sad time. But I mean, I to be fair as well. <laughs> to be fair, like sorry, I was on mute. I don't want to cough. Oh, but right. to be fair, as well, Frank McGarvey, awfully much like ourselves, he'd done a podcast talking about Celtic with his friend Tommy Sheridan. I think it was Tommy and Frank the name of the podcast, and I watched a few episodes of it. It was great them talking, having a laugh together, much like we do here. And it does. Just the, the human side of the man. I know we greatness <clears> playing for Celtic, scoring all the amounts of goals and trophies, but. First and foremost, he's a family man, he's a father, he's humble, he's respectful, and it's just unfortunate 
loads of Celtic heroes go, and this is just the, the latest one of Frank McGarvey, and, and a sad time for him and his family. Absolutely, and you, you know, you just think sometimes as Ross alluded to, he's you know, he's slightly maybe just before the uh, where we can start. You know, I wasn't born until '88 myself. I'm a centenary baby, but uh, you know, he's just before that time where football became. You know, there was that sort of explosion of it on on the televisions and and stuff. So, um, you know, but he's a member of the Hundred Club, uh, and obviously, like he says, you know, he's you know, not all the Celtic videos and stuff over the. The years that he's always interviewed on it, and he says that was always his dream to score the winning goal uh, for Celtic a cup final. That was always his dream, and you see it in the in the footage in nineteen eighty five when he scores the header, um, just what it means to him. And you know, he's, he's like you say, that's he's living his boyhood dream, and he's always, you know, it was you know quite emotional when you see him come out in in September, I think we or October it was when he when he came out. I think everyone could could see that. Unfortunately, the the big C had. It uh, looked like it was going to be winning its battle, but um, he's, 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 he'll go forever go down in the history books as um, a true Celtic legend. You see, to get to the 100 club back in those days it was no mean feat and uh, and everything else he achieved in the game as well. And as I say, one of my, as I, the only memory I've got of him out off the pitch is not just doing his podcast, uh, Stephen, but when we, it was actually about this time last year when we played St Mirren, um, and I think it was one of the closed door games because of the because of the, the, the pandemic. And he was one of the he was one of the pundits on St Mirren TV. And at half time, it was still nil nil. And he was, you know, they were chatting through like moments in the game and stuff. And the, the presenter sort of says, "Well, here's here's hoping for a you know a, a big performance for the buddies in the second half, Frank." And <laughs> not even blinked, and he was like. Yeah, well, I hope not, because I'm wanting Celtic to win, you know. So uh, he just didn't care. He was Celtic through and through. So uh, as, as just as Ross said, all the thoughts go out to uh, to, to him and he's and, and he's uh, you know he's, he's closest family at this sad time. The funny thing about that, I remember that game, and to be fair, he's probably paid by St Mirren TV to do a job for them, but ends up doing full circle and saying he wants Celtic to win. So I mean, Celtic for free, hundred club of Celtic winning <coughs> Our thoughts and prayers go out to his family his friends and, and the wider football circuit, circle involved with Celtic Football Club as well. So, sad times. But we'll move on, lads, to the Glasgow Derby game, as we call it now. Obviously, they like to hold on to past times and past glories and, and advertising and stuff like that. But we're not all about that. We're not half of anything. Remember that famous statement? <laughs> but we'll, we'll start with the whole the, the lineup questions, Anthony. And just, I mean, to be fair, Ross and yourselves, you were having a drink and all, but I, I was watching it. Bit surprised that Forrest started for me. That didn't see coming out of the cold, and I know there's rumours of a bug going around the camp. But surely, if you can get sixty minutes out of Jada or Abada, they should be ahead. And yeah, Moy, <laughs> I thought he he deserved to start. Mm-hmm. To be fair, I think O'Reilly's been off the boil. But what did you think in general about the lineup? Well, I think like you say, Stephen, I, I was surprised that um, when I first seen it. Um, I was obviously, you know, I'm a, I'm a big banger of the Aaron Moy drum, and uh, you know his performance on, on Wednesday um, at Easter Road was absolutely sensational. So I, I did kind of think he was pretty much a shoe in uh, for the job uh, in midfield because, like, like you say, I actually thought O'Reilly had quite a quiet game at Easter Road um, as well. So I, I did think Moy and uh, would, have, would have started, but like you say, in the the time. Time since uh, that's happened, there has to be a lot. Of, there has been a lot of chat about. Uh, there has been a bit of a bug um, at Celtic. Obviously, we know that's why Jota's not been starting recently. 
um, as well. But um, I could understand the reasoning that we're going with James Forrest. You know, he's got a lot of experience in these games, but for whatever reason, every time he seemed to get the ball yesterday, it just it wasn't coming off for him. Um, but I you know I suppose that's the chance you take. Um, and obviously, it's a big call as well, throwing in Alistair Johnston uh, for his, his debut. But I thought he acquitted himself really well. And, you know, it's a red-hot atmosphere, you know. But um, I think all in all, you know, these things, you know, we contributed <coughs> to what the, the, the full extent of the, the health of the team was. Um, but we can only go on, on what we've seen. And you know, I felt we started the the game. Obviously, we had a fantastic start. Um, it was Maeda pouncing on the mistake and, and put get to some great composure, going one 0 up. And you think, you know, we're, we're on to a winner here. But and I think this is a great testament to Greg Taylor. That's twice now in this calendar year where him going off has you know to coin a phrase for Neil Lennon, it's changed the the psychology of the game almost um, because. We, we did lose our shape a little bit down the left-hand side once once Greg went off. Um, and then not long after that, of course, there was the error for Joe Hart, which just seemed to really give them a spark. And, yep. you know, they really kind of kicked on for there. So I think that's the frustration, um, but of a, the fact that a lot of their, a lot of their, that what their, what's happened to them throughout the match has came from our own mistakes, you know, shooting ourselves in the head, <clears throat> so to speak. But I think all in all, when you consider, and I know we'll get on to some of the other controversies later on, but I think considering that perhaps this bug's been going about, considering how we you know, we, we let Rangers back into the game, considering that we've, we've lost Greg Taylor now, potentially if it's a hamstring injury for a number of weeks, to come away with all of that, um, but still be able to, to make sure that they don't get any closer in the title race. It's <coughs> Ross alluded to it on Saturday night. You know, it was going to be a tough game and it proved to be. Um, but we've came through it unscathed and, uh, yeah, we'll go on. Yeah, I mean, you can hear me, yeah? Yeah. To be, to be fair. Right. To be fair as well, <laughs> with the lineup, I know Anthony went on the meta, but we'll get on that shortly. Johnston, for me, Ross, was a big call. But when we come on to Ranovic, I think I know why Postacoglu made that call. I'm going to come on to him shortly, but I thought Alistair Johnson was a machine down the right-hand side at one point in the game. He covered 60 yards, covering Juranovic at left-back and pushing Sakala off the ball in the counter-attack that they created. And you look at it, <clears throat> Abada came on the second half, didn't look like he had the effects of a bug. I know that could be a bit misdeceiving and you don't know what's going on inside and stuff like that, but he looked quite sharp when he came on. And again, already for me, Ross, he's been off the boil the last couple of games and just looks like he's a bit frustrated. And Postacoglu's done it with a lot of players, took him in the team, found their form again. Is it the case of O'Reilly just seems undroppable? Or did he not trust Moy in this type of environment? Because I thought, me being one of Moy's biggest critics, I thought he deserved a start. I thought against Hibbs when he scored the two goals, he, <clears throat> he was absolutely fantastic and already did really next to nothing. Bit of a shock for me. What about yourself? Um, I don't know if it was a shock because for a long while now, our midfield first choice, midfield three, has been O'Reilly, Hattati and McGregor. And <clears throat> that's been broken up the last few games, obviously, because uh, Hattati was falling in at right back. Moyes came into the, the the fold. He's done a great job. And like Anthony, I'm a massive fan of Moy. I, I was happy for Celtic to sign him when Ange first came in and we were linked to him. Uh, so I, I think he's a very good player. <sighs> he definitely deserved to start. But I don't... 
with, without the benefit of hindsight, when the team was uh, brought out yesterday, yesterday before the game, I thought, well, fair enough. I've, I've not got any qualms with O'Reilly starting because he's a top quality player and he's done it in these games previously. He is off the boil a wee bit, so now sitting here with the benefit of hindsight, you can say maybe Aaron Moy would have been the better option, but I'm not going to like have a, a dig at Ange for that because he he had his reasons for doing it. Like when we pick a team, we all give reasons for why we would have the players in. And Angie's head, that that was the right way to go. Like say with James Forrest, again, I was surprised that he started. Benefit of hindsight, it was the wrong decision. But before the game, I looked at it and I says, okay, I, I probably wouldn't have started him. But he's been there and he's done it. He's got great experience. I never had any qualms about him starting. He didn't play well in the game. And now it looks bad on Ange and it was the wrong decision. Which, I mean, these things happen. This is what football's about. Uh, touching on Alistair Johnston, again, like yourself, it was a big call. But Ange's made these big calls in the past. He made the big call and he played Juranovic and gave him his debut at left-back, where he came on yesterday and played. And he was outstanding in that game. He's came on yesterday and played at left-back, and he had a stinker. But it doesn't make him a bad player. He, he's been rumoured, and it looks like he probably will be leaving, especially off the back of his signing Johnston. But I just think sometimes people, uh, players become worse players when they're maybe on the verge of leaving. I think he had a, a really poor game yesterday, but Juranovic is still a very good player. And... In his defence, slightly, he was playing out of position. And I know I've alluded to he played out of position, had a very good game in his debut. But it, it just it can just work out for you sometimes on the day. And it didn't work out for him on the day. Celtic as a whole, I, I mean, I don't like to make excuses. Talk about there, there's been a bug. Eh, there might well have been. They didn't look fully at it like they have done throughout the season. Whether it was a bug or no, I'm not sure, but that is that is the rumour. It could have affected us, but in the end, we've we've made these calls. But I think getting getting the the, the draw, having not played very well and keeping the same gap, is massive massive for us. Uh, in terms of Abada as well, it, he could have started the game. At, I was surprised. I don't know what the this, this story is with Jota, you know, because he's not started the last few games either. I don't know if he's maybe just feeling the effects of a bug or if he's no fully fit. He's been took out. Was it last season? I think he got took out the team or was it early this season? He got took out the team for a period because he wasn't 100% fit and he came back and he was better for it. Uh, I would have started Jota and I would have started Jota on the right and Maeda on the left yesterday. But you could have made a case for Abada as well, but I just felt at Ibrox, and I know James Forrest was an empty jersey yesterday, I just felt before the match, playing Abada at Ibrox, I think if it was at Parkhead, he's a shoe-in to start, he's done it at Parkhead against Rangers, he goes in, gives Barisic an absolute nightmare, but I didn't think we would have as much of the ball 
that's what we would at Parkhead. And I think when it's like that, Abad is less effective, which is why I felt I, I didn't think he could have started for us at all. It, it would have had to be Forrest or Jota, but I thought Jota would have been a certainty in there. But all in all, like I've said, 2-2, two, two, I wouldn't say we got out of jail, but we, we've kept him at arm's, le- arm's length and I'm happy in the end and we're more happy than them with a draw. Yeah, stop it. It's definitely a point for us. I mean, it's, it keeps an eye point of families and stuff. But you made a point about Abada. I slightly disagree with you on the point that the whole Ibrox thing, he might not be up to that type of atmosphere or that type of intensity. But he's got... Uh, no, I, I, I wasn't meaning he wouldn't be up to, I, I just, I feel that he's... When, when Celtic don't have as much of the ball, I, th- I think he's less effective in the game because he doesn't need to do the, the, the hard yards, if you like, coming back the way, going the other way. He's not as good defensively as... I mean, not that Jota's a brilliant defender, but he probably works harder than Abada does, which is why I would have gave him the nod. But it wasn't because I didn't think he was up to, to playing in the, the, intensity, the intensity or the atmosphere or that. Just to, just well, to clarify get... that, I know. I'm not having a go on that, like, I'm just sort of clarifying. You jump in, you jump in, smack me for right and left there, Ross, that's no problem. No, but I mean, to, see, to be fair, <laughs> 100%, 100% I 100% get what you're saying, but I would have started with Abada if he could do the 60, 70 minutes, because Barzic has nightmares <clears throat> this wee fella. He's tortured him in the last couple of games we played him. That kind of brings that mental effect <clears throat> into things, and if there's a bug going around the camp, that's fair enough. You, you, you can't really advocate for that and I'm not trying to make excuses and stuff I will be honest and say I thought we were absolutely horrendous yesterday to, to be honest against them I thought we escaped and as you said Ross in a few cases sir, it's a point game for us and it feels like a loss for them I've seen a lot of our fans say that on social media because they thought they were going to get the free and get the four but it didn't happen Kyogo pops up but we'll start with me Anthony before we go on to the other talking points four minutes in sadly kind of get the shape in the middle of the park we've been pressing now, Greg Taylor christened this certain fella a name. I, I don't want to say it. We, we all know what it is. He plays a loose ball to the left. He tries to find Tavernier. Made his alert. Mark Kearney's in the comments, Mark. I haven't forgot about it. You said on Twitter that if uh, Meadis started, or if you thought Meadis should start, you don't know football. Look what happened, Mark. We, we, all, we, we all say things, don't we? But he, he goes up Trumps. He goes, he goes past Tavernier. He gets past Goldson. And he slots it past Alan McGregor, awfully. And to be fair, like when you're looking at it, <clears throat> probably not the, the player want to go free one on one with a goalkeeper. But I think the pace he was going at and the, the party hit that ball, McGregor wasn't getting it. It was a good team goal in terms of the pressing and the finish by Meta, wasn't it? it? It was, yeah. And I think it was his sort of efforts on Wednesday night against Hibs at Easter Road, which kind of <laughs> brought him the, the nod and uh, for, for, for the game yesterday and again perhaps not somebody we, we maybe expected to start but I thought he took his chance um, he sees that with both hands he obviously got the early goal like you say Stephen he, um, he took that really well because you know it's <coughs> pressure keg atmosphere like you say but to be through in that and to have the coolness to, to put it away um, I thought he did really well and then as that first especially the point in the, the first half when we were really dominating um, when Taylor was getting the ball with him down that left-hand side, you know, even Tavernier Penn had two or, one or two yards on him at any point and he was still beating him for speed and getting crosses in. Just unfortunately, we couldn't get anyone on the end of it. Um, I thought he did really well yesterday. Um, he seems to be in a little rich vein of form at the minute. So 
we you know we'll just need to wait and see whether or not he, he continues with the, with the start. But um, yeah, you know, I, I I can't can't fault his performance yesterday. I thought he did. I thought he did really well. Hundred percent. Mark Kearney comes in. I hold my hands up. Made a totally justified his inclusion. It shouldn't have came the expense of Jada. Well, again, that's that's hundred percent. If Jada was fit, he should have been in that lineup in some shape or form. Ross, but Mieda, for me, since the World Cup, has come back. And that their old phrase is new player. I'll, I'll park that the one side, but he's come back with confidence. He's played well for Japan. He scored a goal in the World Cup. He was pivotal though how they were playing as a team. It's like the point of the press. He's come back to Selby, scored two since the World Cup now. One cracking goal against Hibs and then a good finish against Rangers. And it, it just looks like he's come back into his half. He's had confidence again. And he looks so happy when he scores. Now it's not like the whole downbeat attitude where he trods off the pits and he knows he's had he hasn't had a great performance. He actually done well. And it, that composure and let's be honest, that atmosphere as well we alluded to. He done well, didn't he? I, I thought he was absolutely outstanding yesterday. And I, I absolutely love Maeda. I, I I've really liked him. and I get he's no he's not the most technically gifted and he, his first touch sometimes leaves a lot to be desired. But what he does for the team is it's is priceless, and he just he showed what why he's in the team yesterday, numerous occasions like Anthony Alodite beating uh, Tavernier for pace uh, when Tavernier's got a start on him, the goal that he scored, the tenacity, the pace to get there and knock it in front of um, Goldson after Tavernier's slack pass, he obviously picked up the the slack um, Morelos pass as well. Uh, Mark was saying there he, sh- he shouldn't have started at the expense of Jota for me I-, I get what he's saying there but for me I don't think he started at the expense of Jota I think Jota moves to the right to accommodate Maeda on the left because I think Jota in my opinion does every bit as good on the right for Celtic as he does on the left uh, and I, for like I've said I would have started him in the right I think uh, I think that for me, I uh, Jota goes on the right to accommodate Maeda if he's in the team. Uh, and for me, in games like, like Ibrox yesterday, he would be in my starting 11 all day, every day. One of the first players on the team sheet. I think he's a tremendous player. I totally agree. I, I think Maeda is so... The way Posta called you wants to play, that quick pace up front, the point of the press where Kuyo go to him, he is pivotal and I know, we've, we've talked about it before, we've, me personally I, I've got on him before, a few, a few others in the podcast have, he's not the most technically gifted, he's not full of skills, but he, he has speed he's passion, he's aggression his enthusiasm for the game, they've got him down that left hand side, by the way, and help it left back on numerous occasions, it's absolutely fantastic and I think, I get the whole kind of, the criticism he has, but took a fruit and the score goes like that. <laughs> you can't argue with his uh, inclusion in the team. But, <clears throat> sorry, shortly after that, lads, <laughs> Samuels, man. Shortly after yep, that, yep, we lost probably one of our better players performing anyway at the start of the game, Greg Taylor. He goes off after, a, the day record called it, a better dispute or a better agreement, disagreement with Alfredo Morelos. It wasn't bitter. It was just facts. And then Uranovic comes on at left back. Me personally, 
I would have put put on Burnaby. I don't know why you give Burnaby twenty minutes here and there, <coughs> and then you don't throw him in in a game like this. He's a, he's a bona fide left back, similar to Greg Taylor. <coughs> Gets up and down, can pass the ball, play in midfield. You're on the for me. <laughs> didn't play well at all. I thought he didn't commit to anything. It's like his head's gone. A bit like Edward in his final couple of games, in my opinion. He let Sakala have him on toast, by the way. Sakala rinsed him the whole game. That both goals, the Rangers got come down his side from mistakes by Amir Alifates and then led the Starfelt giving the penalty away. But before we get on to that, what did you think of that substitution <laughs> and your Alifates' performance? Well, obviously at the start it was absolutely gutting to see uh, Taylor go off. As, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Stephen, I thought he was having a, a good game and I just think <coughs> he brings such a balance down that left-hand side. I think he's got a great, whether it be Jota, whether it be Maeda or anyone else, um, they all just seem to have that kind of instinct with, with with Taylor and I just think that's he's definitely our first choice left back at the moment. Um, so it was gotten to see him go off um, for for a start. Although he's uh, he's forever immortalised himself now with uh, with his retort to uh, the guy who well, if anyone says that Morelos doesn't have the stomach for a title fight, well, some of the images yesterday would suggest he most definitely has. Um, but in terms of Juranovic coming on, I, I was quite surprised, and that's why I was asking in the group chat yesterday because I hadn't seen the team until I got to um, up up the, the road, so I hadn't seen the bench. I, I didn't realise Bernabeu was actually on the bench. And um, so that would have been probably my first shout. You know, you're not putting put, put the, put the left back on uh, on the left-hand side of the pitch. But for whatever reason, obviously, we, as Ross alluded to, we've seen Juranovic play there uh, in the past before, and they played very well. I think that's one of his strengths is that he's versatile. And obviously, when you look at how guys like Maeda and Moy have came back for the World Cup and Carter Vickers as well, who I'm, I'm sure will go on you, who I thought was absolutely outstanding yesterday. Um, they've all came back quite buoyed for the World Cup and obviously Juranovic was the golden boy at the World Cup, maybe just out with Messi himself, you know, with the, with the tournament that he had. So maybe the thinking was there that, you know, he's, you know, match fit, he'll kind of eager to impress, you know, he's this, he's, you know, he's, he's on a rich vein of form and we know he can play in that <laughs> position, but I'd, do agree with um, kind of across the board. They, he did look two or three yards off the pace, and that's me being pretty charitable. You know, I've kind of calmed down a bit since yesterday, but yeah, um, the, those first 10, 15 minutes of the second half, uh, to say I was giving him the hairdryer treatment for my couch would, uh, would be an understatement. But as Ross says, it doesn't make him a bad player. It's just maybe perhaps Bernabeu would have been a better uh, option uh, in that moment. I do agree, Sakala seemed to have his number. Um, it's a fair point, Patrick. Perhaps it, it, it won't be. But then again, we, we just don't know. Perhaps <coughs> also cut down with this apparent uh, virus as well. So we'll, we'll never know. It would just be like the thing now that um, obviously the, the word hamstring was used for, for Taylor. Um, so I would imagine, right, Happy New Year, uh, Feed the yeah. Bear. Um, the fact that, that they mentioned hamstring would suggest that he's going to be out for a number of weeks. So it'll be very interesting to see on Saturday now who, who gets the nod. Um, because if he, if he's not going to play Bernabeu from the start, especially with the fact that, as Ross says, we're expecting Juranovic probably to go potentially in this window, <coughs> is that a case of we're, we're going to be shopping for a new left-back between now and the end of the month? Uh, time will tell. But 
yeah, I just it, it certainly wasn't Juranovic's best day at the office. Um, but you know, such is life. Such is life indeed. And to be fair, Mark Kearney comes in again there, Ross. We've seen this performance from Juranovic before. I know Mark Juranovic's biggest fan, but I do believe Ross. You can't go from playing Brazil and marking Vinicius Junior out of the game to going to Ibrox and making Sakala look like prime Ronaldinho. Do I mean there, 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 there's a disparity there that you can't really make up in your own mind of comprehension? And I, I looked at it and I was absolutely fuming because Juranovic for me seemed like we all spoke about it before. He buys into the club, he buys into the fans, and when he was getting ready, putting his knee-high socks over his shorts, it was like he's coming on, he's ready for a game, he's going to be left back, he's going to add a different dimension. The amount of times he misplaced passes out of the park, he could have found a simple five-yard ball. I felt like it was watching Johnny Hayes again. It was an absolute shambolic performance. And the, 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 way, I, the way I looked at it, we'll, we'll talk about the goals mixed in with this. Sakala wins the ball from Juralovic being woefully out of position. Mena comes in short, narrow, and Juralovic thinks it's okay to, to walk over to the, the byline where Postacoglu's basically standing. Sakala wins the ball. Juralovic tries to make up for it. And Sakala just pushes him away like he, he wasn't there. He whips it to Kent. To be fair to Kent, he scored a brilliant goal. I can't take that away from him, even though he makes my blood boil. <clears throat> <laughs> but Juranovic, again, for this, the, the penalty kick, we'll, we'll come on to that individually, of course, but in terms of our opinions on that. But he just kind of let himself down, Ross, in my opinion. He, he really did. And if there's any scouts at that game, they'll close their notepad up and walk away. There was, no, there was nothing Nothing to, to me to suggest that he's a 11, 12, 13, 14 million pound right back or left back at, at that time when the position he was playing. It looked to me that his head's away. It looked to me that he didn't want to get injured. And it just looked to me that, I don't know, it was just a, Burnaby, if I was Burnaby, I'd be absolutely fuming. Burnaby came on for Greg Taylor at, at Hibs and he looked decent. He was going forward, he was whipping balls in, he was taking players on, he was defending, he was quick. And Uralovic ruined the whole balance of the team and for me and I'll say it Postacoglu has to take that one he got that wrong well again we hindsight he got it wrong but Postacoglu would have had his reasons for bringing Bernabeu on eh, sorry Juranovic on um, like like we say I, I don't like to keep going back to it because I hate it but if there is a bug and he was maybe a bit Maybe not quite there. Maybe Ranovic was more fit. I think, just my opinion, I think maybe Postacoglu's thinking behind it. And this is sort of what I would, sort of what my, my thinking would be, uh, is that I think defensively, Bernabai is still a, a lot of questions for me. And I think coming in, trying to get up to the pace of the game at Ibrox, when... I think, if memory serves me right, because I was a little worse for wear, uh, I think at the time when Rangers are starting to get a bit of a grip of the game, it's difficult to come in and get up to the speed of the game. And I think he, he probably plumped for Juranovic because he could trust him more defensively. I think Bernabeu, he's raw, but going forward, really excellent. And he can come in for Celtic and do a job. I'm not quite sure if he was the right option just because I've I've got big question marks on his defensive abilities at the minute. But with hindsight, Juranovic was the wrong call because he had a really poor game. But 
don't know if you could blame that sort of tactic tactically on Postacoglu because he can't legislate for one Juranovic having a stinker, two Juranovic possibly checking out. I don't think Postacoglu would have been aware that he was checking out. I don't know if you've seen his interview last week, Juranovic's uh, interview uh, with Celtic TV. I actually said in the group chat, he spoke like a guy that hasn't checked out. He's still all in with the club until such times he goes. On the evidence of yesterday, it, it looked like he maybe has checked out or he maybe wasn't want to commit like fully because he knows he's probably going away and he's worried about getting an injury. There's, there's loads of variables as to why Juranovic didn't perform yesterday. But you said... He never showed anything of being a 12, 13, 14 million pound footballer or right back, whatever it was, um, in that game yesterday. And he didn't. But in the months and games previous to it, he, he absolutely has. And he, he I agree, showed but it. This is, but this is a different kettle of fish. We're, we're at he should No matter if he's agreed to transfer, just for example, to a Barcelona or a Chelsea, who would believe what well, the media saying that he's linked to? then Postacoglu should know his headspace. And although the player can tell you, yeah, I'm 100%, subconsciously, if you know you're going to move, you're not want, you don't want to get injured because then you scuffle your chances playing for your new team. A deal could fall through. So that, for me, should be weighed up in that situation. And uh, there's people in the comments here saying Burnaby's maybe not cut for it, but we don't know, unless he's put in this situation, what he can do. From the snippets we've seen of Burnaby, he is a decent left-back. He is a decent attacking ability. I'm not disputing and, that. But but this is what I'm saying. But the whole Juranovic thing, and yeah, but beforehand, Ross, I 100% with you. I love Juranovic. I really do. I think he's a cracking player. But just yesterday for me, he let himself down. He let himself I, down big time. If, if he's I, checked out, absolutely. the manager should know that. Well, I mean, you say that, but if Postacoglu goes to him and says, how are you feeling? And he tells him this and that. Postacoglu's not a fucking mind reader. He's got to take the guy in face value. Maybe Iranovic hasn't he checked out. And Here's, he's one just really... Here's one for you. If you if you were a manager yesterday and you watched thirty five minutes of his performance coming on, would you have subbed him? No, because I would. It's a waste of a sub then, and then you're bringing Bernabe on. It's like for like Bernabe could come on and no be up to the task as well. Sakala, he's not got an end product. Sakala, most of the time. But he's a very dangerous player and a very awkward player to play against. And I cannot blame I, I can't blame Juranovic for the the second goal. He was faced up one on one with a guy with pace. And the boys knocked it by him. I, I don't know what more he can do. He's tried to show him wide. He's knocked it by him and ran ran past him at pace. It's a very when you're batting it's yourself up to goal. Stand. It's the fact that he stands so far off him. Usually he would be bang. He done it to Kent before. But then see, see if he goes, see if he commits and he goes to go tight to him, and he knocks it by him. It's still the same thing. He's, but he's, he's, he's sat half him, and he's he's his body shape to show him wide. Sakala just does him for pace because when you're batting up to your goal and there's a guy running at you, that's a defender's worst nightmare. It's very difficult. To, there's not a lot the defender can do unless the the, the attacker doesn't execute 
the, the ball getting knocked by him or taking him on, if he doesn't execute that right, then you've got an opportunity to, to defend your area. But if he gets it right, you're, you're only a, a, a doozy because it's too difficult to defend against. They're, they're, they're the one facing the goal and you're being backed up. I think it was harsh. If you want to blame somebody for that second goal, then we'll go on to it, but you need to look no further than the guy oh, who yeah. just makes absolutely crazy decisions in Starfield. But Juranovic yeah, no, uh, didn't have a good game yesterday, but he wasn't the sole reason that Celtic <coughs> uh, lost two goals and didn't perform to their, their usual levels. Yeah. No, 100%. You can, I haven't muted myself. You can still hear me, yeah? But uh, 100%, definitely. And the reason why I'm saying this is because, again, I do really like your elephants, and it's just annoyed me that I've seen that yesterday. But you made a good point, Anthony. And one of the kind of sparks that Rangers had, and I will come on to this guy, Joe Hart. He seemed to have, I don't know, a lapse again of concentration, much like he did in the European game when he gave the ball away. But thankfully, this time, it wasn't punished. And he did. He made a great save from the, the chance after from Kent under the post. But I've said it before in this podcast, I think this is Hart's last season. I can't really see him lasting any more than this season. I think we'll be looking for a new number one by the time summer comes around. And that's not begrudging Joe Hart. I'm being honest there. I think he's been excellent for us. But I really believe, me and my granddad were sitting watching, and uh, that really sparked them into life. They felt something from that. And that led on, for me, in my opinion, to the second half when it does come out and they went for us from the get-go. Yeah, I mean, it, it was frustrating. and But I, not just we had... Obviously, it was Joe Hart's um, one of those... Moments that mm. kind of, like you say, gave, gave them a spark and they, you know, they kicked on from it, gave the crowd a lift. But I felt that was one of my frustrations with most players in the team yesterday. It was I, I felt that there was one touch too many a lot of the times, especially in the middle of the park, and we we kind of a lot of the time made it difficult for ourselves. And you know, we would you passes that are normally come so naturally to us. You know, they were going astray, they were going out to play, or we were running into traffic. And that's the kind of game that suits Rangers more than us. We prefer to, you know, be a lot more fluent in in, in the way we play. Um, but there's, listen, like you say, it's I'm not a fan of it myself. I know it's the way that they've almost kind of been... But I'll, I'll not say that it's the way they've been taught how to play, but by the same token, I think you maybe have to read... If you've got if if you think you're going to get a ball looking off the Ange at half time for kicking the ball up the park, but nothing comes of it and the crowd are still going to remain on the home team, then maybe me just be me. I'd probably take it rather than try to take an extra touch and invite pressure on. Just be like Gaffer. On that occasion, I had to get rid of it because they were he was coming at me quicker than I thought, and you and you take it from there. Um, because up until then, Rangers really hadn't offered anything at all although having said that neither apart from the goal for all the possession we had we didn't really there wasn't much penetration but it would have perhaps at least kept kept the crowd going against them whereas that kind of sprung them on and you, you, you're right Stephen he did make a great save um, after that and I don't think you could have had two keepers in there um, for Kent's goal and it still would have been and it was sometimes you just have to take your hat off and say it was a, it was a great finish um, other than that, right enough, I don't really recall him. You know, I don't think he was shoved off the ball at corner kicks or anything like that. I think he, he did. You know, the rest of the time he was sort of much of a muchness, really. Um, but I just think 
sometimes you just maybe got to read the game a little bit better and just clear your lines if if, if you think that's possibly the best thing um, because there's no doubt it definitely had an effect on the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm not you don't know. <laughs> I'm confused. Oh, no, you're back, you're back <laughs> in the room. But the, the way I looked at that, I love bringing up Joe Hart because the comments go crazy, Ross. There's a, I'd say about 70% of them are probably for him this being his last season. And I've seen Alistair Jack earlier. Now, forgive me if I'm wrong, Alistair, but whoever said it, please come back up. Give Seacrest the chance. He was injured yesterday. But can you see this? Not doubting what he's done, because he's come in, he's been decent, he's been solid, he's a good shot stopper and all that type of stuff. But on some occasions, his head hits the clouds, his feet don't know what they're doing, and it gets us in shit, let's be honest. And the bus, before I continue here, Happy New Year from Houston, Texas. Happy New Year to yourself, fella. And Happy New Year to everybody who's watching here. And if I haven't come up with your comments, the reason why, because I'm coughing so much, I'm trying to go through them all, pick them individually, and I don't want to keep coughing and sputter. But Happy New Year to everybody. But can you see the argument for this, Ross? Or are you still firmly Joe Hart number one next <coughs> season in the months? Um, I can absolutely see the argument for it. Uh, I, I don't dislike Joe Hart. I think he's done a brilliant job for Celtic. I think he had a a, a mind blank, like what I have on this podcast quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking about. He, he obviously thought he had more time than he did. But <clears throat> Joe Hart isn't the only goalkeeper in the world to do that. Keepers up and down the country, all over the world, do the same mistakes. They're, they're probably, you don't see it. There's probably at least one keeper almost every weekend I'll have a howler like that across world football it's just it's just what happens but so I'm not going to knock him for that it was a poor mistake and he redeemed himself with the save but he shouldn't have made the mistake but he's human and it happens so I'm not going to knock him for that but in terms of the argument I'm going to be number one next season well, first of all, I don't think that Seagrist can be our number one. I don't think he'll be good enough to be our number one. In terms of Joe Hart, he, he is, he's, he's getting to the, the latter part of his career. I think he's done a great job for us. And I think he can still do a great job for us. But everybody knows that there's always somebody out there better. And if Celtic can get a better goalkeeper than Joe Hart, who's maybe even a wee bit younger, then if we can get him and it's within our price range, absolutely go and do it. But they're not just going they're not going to do that anyway, but they're not going to sign somebody for the sake of it because Joe Hart's maybe had a couple of mistakes here and there. Joe Hart Joe Hart, I, I trust him. I believe he can do a, a good job for us and I believe he, he can be a good number number one for us next season. But again, if we can get somebody better, you go and do it. You go and make the deal happen. That's football. We move on. Celtic keep rolling. Percent, Ross, hundred percent. And I think as well, as well, every player, as you said, can be improved on. We signed a Wada from uh, the Champions and the Sporting <coughs> team. So where's he going to fit in? Obviously, it's exciting to see where all these players and these signers are going to be. <coughs> Kobe Asi as well, centre back who made the bench, and we obviously didn't see him, but it'll be interesting to see how he fits in because he's a left-footed centre half. So. Oh, that's interesting, but another debate for another day as well. But Anthony, we'll come on to their second goal 
Yeah, this is when the, the controversy comes in. Me and my granddad had an argument here. He was adamant that it wasn't a penalty kick. He, he was, no, it's not a penalty kick. He watched it. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, at the time, I thought it was a penalty kick because I think what Ross said is 100% right. Although I think Juranovic is the blame for letting them have so much yards on them and getting the run, all Starfelt really had to do in that situation was stand on your feet, shepherd them over towards the, the byline for the goal kick or try and kind of muscle in on them. Lemon happens, as Starfelt usually does sometimes. He has a brain fart, goes to the ground. It seemed to take an age for this whole thing to actually happen when you watch it again. It's, his foot goes, Sakala puts his foot on top of, on, on top of Starfelt's foot. His momentum takes him, he falls, everyone looks to beat him. Two seconds go by, it's a penalty kick, right? That's fine, because that was always going to happen in that situation, right? Far was not consulted, from what I can tell, in any shape or form for that penalty kick. And I'm going to be honest, there's people in the comments already saying it's not a penalty. But if that happened for us, I'd be screaming for it all day, every day, and twice on a Sunday. I still think it was a penalty kick. I thought Starfelt was quite rash coming out like that and doing that tackle in the box, especially... If you take into account <coughs> Sakala's pace, he could turn you. Then <coughs> it's a stonewaller. But what did you think? I think the the problem is, and that, and like we've already to earlier with Carl Starfield, is it it doesn't need to go down. It it doesn't need to make the the sliding challenge because Sakala's still, you know, he's still got a lot of a hell of a lot to do. And you know, I'm screaming at the telly, just don't stay on your feet, stay on your feet. But the problem is. It's, you know, the, the old cliche is by doing that, he's gave the referee the chance to, to award the, the penalty kick. And I think looking at it, and as I say, maybe he should have looked at VAR. Um, but I think for me, a lot of the, on a lot of the momentum, it looks as if Sakala's already on his way down. It's almost like he kind of tucks his foot under. Um, Starfelt, so it, I, I definitely don't think it's an absolute stone. I mean, even even the village idiot Chris Boyd is saying, you know, the, the biggest Rangers fan out there was saying, no, no, for me, and that's a you know a Rangers striker. You know, that would be you know the area of the pitch he was on. So I'm I'm not convinced that it was, but in this instance, I can understand why it was given because Starfelt gave the referee the option by going down when he didn't need to and I, I, I felt that I felt we, we, we I've used the term before I think we shot ourselves in the foot with that one and to be fair Ross <coughs> what Anthony said there I still think it's a penalty in my opinion right because we'd be crying for it if it happened to us regardless of whatever catches who you're it's the momentum for me and Starfelt being stupid and going to the ground cost that beating doesn't need a doesn't need any excuse to point to the spot let's be fair but again, Kaiser came in with a comment there. And we'll come on to other comments that happened when Connor Goldson turned into the, the new goalkeeper for Rangers, but we're, we're going to come on to that. But what what did you think? I mean, apparently beaten, apparently Joe Hart asked VAR, he said, why? That's the sort of stuff you're up against. And it's more and more blatant. And I know in the whole VAR thing, they've had zero decisions go against them. This is always going to be a penalty. Hi. I mean, <clears throat> I think it probably should go to VAR and they should have a look at it. But I don't think it, it would have changed the decision. I think it would have still gave a penalty regardless. So that's a much 
again, it's, it's much ado about nothing. But, a mere point. <laughs> a mere point. That's that kid. <laughs> um, so, I for me, it wouldn't have changed the decision had they went there or no. For me, <clears throat> I thought it was a penalty. I thought right away in real time, crazy decision for to go to the ground. It's just what Starfelt does. He's got these moments in him where I think he, look, he looks a really good defender when he's no under pressure. He can defend. He's like jewels and he is. He, he's good in the air and stuff and winning headers for corners and stuff like that. And I do like the guy, but if he's under any pressure or he, he just makes rash decisions, he, he, he's too eager sometimes. And that was just absolute insanity going to the ground there. Sakala's, he's chopping back inside. Mm-hmm. But he's chopping back inside. He's not going to get a shot and goal. All he has to do, like Anthony had said, stand up and just like jockey, jockey him, show him inside. And he'll, he'll maybe, like he might find a pass and he might still get a goal for it. But at least he's done his job. He's done his job. That's not doing your job. He gives the referee a decision to make at Ibrox. It was always going to be a penalty. For me, it was a penalty. And I've heard people saying, eh, Sakala stands on Starfelt's foot. And I, I tend to agree with that. But the reason I think it was a penalty is because, like I said, he chops back inside. And in doing that, when he chops, his momentum he goes to put his foot down to push himself back inside after chopping the ball inside. And in doing that, when he goes to put his foot on the ground, Starfelt, I think it's, as much as he's putting his foot down towards Starfelt, Starfelt's sliding. So it's like a coming together, more than, in my opinion, more than Sakala's initiating the contact. And I think Starfelt's been punished for, for going to ground. And it, it as soon as you make contact in the box, it's going to be a penalty. Like you say, Stephen, if that's up the other end, we're screaming for a penalty and you're shouting it's a stonewall penalty. I think it is a stonewall penalty and I had absolutely no problem with it being given. Obviously, <clears throat> Tavernier, the greatest right back that's ever lived, converts it and they go 2-1 ahead. But we'll quickly yeah, move on. He converted on. it emphatically. It was an outstanding it was, penalty. It was, it was a good penalty, right? We're, we're all level-headed in this podcast, more, more, more some than others here, but we'll, we'll give them that. It was a, a good penalty kick. <laughs> there you go. But we'll move quickly on. Look, let's come back to you, Ross, your way for this. Now, I can't remember who hit the ball, so forgive me. <clears throat> Connor Goldson turns into the goalkeeper. McGregor's obviously substituted. Goldson's in nets. Comes flying out to block a shot. His hands go like this, away from his body. Saves the ball. Mr. Beaton, there's loads of clips going around, said it's not his decision. It's not up to me. If I can go back to, if I can find it here, Chris Fraser. <coughs> Strange side cheating Beaton said it was his penalty for them, but it was not his decision for the Celtic one. Now, this, for me, is where it gets murky. This is where it gets obvious, the, the whole shit stuff that's going on. And we all know it's been going on for years and years and years, right? That is a penalty kick for me all day. If you, and I know the whole silhouette thing of all this, but your hands have to be close to your body for that to count. Goldson saved the ball and it flicked up this way. 
it's not as if it does bounce straight off and went back to the player. It flicked up. The whole thing, the Celtic, the, the Celtic players were screaming for it. It went for a quick check and their man puts his thumbs up and goes, on, on we go. It's, it's fine. It's an absolute disgrace that that could be happening. And it comes back to the point, these referees need to confirm their allegiances, need to confirm who they support, need to confirm their background. Yeah, it may sound a bit murky, but English referees do it, Italian referees do it, Spanish referees do it, every other referee and organisation in the world do it, apart from here. And that was an absolute disgrace for me. That was a penalty all day long. We would have got back into the game if we scored it and then possibly went on to win the game. It's a joke. What, what did you think of that one? Um, <clears throat> I think uh, in terms of watching football all my life, sort of growing up and watching it, I don't think when Golson puts his hands up, I don't think he's making his body bigger. I think he's protecting his face. So... For me, because of the close proximity, previous to this season, you'd be looking for a penalty. But if I'm being like impartial, then I, I would say it's not a penalty because of the close proximity. But when you look at the decisions this season that have gone against Celtic and the decisions, the penalties that have been given like throughout football, then you look at the Bernabeu one, you look at the O'Reilly one, there's numerous other examples, then that yesterday is a stonewall penalty kick handball and it should have been given and it wasn't given and it was another decision, a big decision and a long, long, long line of them that has gone against Celtic since VAR has been introduced and Celtic haven't benefited once since VAR has been introduced on a decision. That was a penalty kick all day long. <clears throat> it goes back the way to the they're implementing the rules right now, anyway. I mean, if you, if you can give a penalty kick when Burnaby isn't facing the ball, his hand goes out here. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? If you can give a penalty kick when the ball drops on O'Reilly's arm from a high distance. If you don't give a penalty kick at, at the Hearts game of Michael Smith, <clears throat> handballed it in the box, we didn't get nothing. It's an absolute disgrace, Anthony. And Jed Thomas said it. Razors haven't conceded no penalties all season. Mm-hmm. VAR seems to be. And it, it fucking really pisses me off. It's blatant <laughs> cheating. It, it is. It fucking gets on my nerves. People, I don't know why it is, but some, some people just kind of sugarcoat it. It has to be called out. If you're, if you're a UEFA, if you're FIFA, and you're watching that game, you have to be going, what way are they running their football? Where's that going? These rules are here for a reason. The whole VAR was meant to make the referee, and if you could even, make it fucking better. It's made it even worse because they don't even look at their decisions. They rely on the people in a wee van. Did you see the picture of the van outside Bataudry mm-hmm. when they're doing the VAR? Embarrassing. Embarrassing. And it's like they're not even checking the monitors for these game chains of decisions. They're relying on <coughs> Willie Collins, who's probably sitting back with a kind of special brew open because Rangers are winning the game, loving life. And he said, Come on, come on, lads. Wait, it's not a penalty, it's not for me, not my decision. Literally what he said on the pitch. It's a joke. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. In, in terms of, that's the bit that gets me in that Twitter clip when John Beaton is saying it's no mad decision. So he is effectively saying that for a point in the game yesterday, he wasn't the referee of the match. And we're being told that VAR's all about only stepping in when, when there's an error made. 
that is a penalty in every game on earth for every other team on this planet would get uh, that penalty awarded. It is a, and it's not, I don't even think it's the old ways or the new ways or whatever, because it's the way he, put, he, he puts his hand up. There is times when you go, he, of course, it's a natural reaction to block your face, but his hands are very high up. So in every walk of life for me, it's a penalty kick all day. But it's a fact. And you can, listen, John Beaton's never going to be in any rush to give Celtic a penalty. But it's the fact that Willie Collum doesn't even say, go and, go and check it. That, that, that's the, the sickening part to me. Jed's made, made a, a brilliant point as well about how since far has been introduced, Celtic have had countless now decisions go against them. They have been the almost the, the victims of poor refereeing and backed up by VAR decisions. Not just the handballs, we think it off on perfectly good goals being chopped off because somehow the VAR TV was focusing on Ange Postacoglu at that exact moment. And, uh, you know, it was in Coat Bridge um, that, that the VAR seemed to be getting filmed from. <laughs> good, good luck with that, Paul. Um, Celtic are actually, they're, they're, they've been in meetings and they're due in. We won tomorrow, I'm sure I read that earlier today somewhere. I, I did see that, Ross, and I hope, I genuinely do hope that something comes from it now because this dossier of evidence that we've supposedly been gathering since far came in, I mean, it's it's going to be thicker than the Lord of the Rings books but at this rate. Yeah, it's just... But you, it all comes back to what you you, you said, Stephen. And every, what, there is refereeing scandals or refereeing scandals have been unearthed in pretty much every major European league. That's why these rules are in place now. Um with regards to referees have got to declare their allegiances. And yet somehow, they, we don't want to have it up here. And what is probably one of the most bitterly divided countries in a lot of, you know, in a lot of ways. Human beings are biased. If you are, if you are a former season ticket holder at Ibrox, you should not be refereeing Rangers. You shouldn't be refereeing Rangers games, period. You certainly shouldn't be refereeing a home derby for them in a match that, could have blown a title race wide open last night. But this is this is constant. I'll paint you a, a picture. Manchester United season book holder. Referees Manchester United versus Liverpool at Old Trafford. And is then goes out for a couple of pints at the Trafford Arms afterwards. Can you imagine the outcry that would happen down south if that was proven to be the case? Whereas up here it's like, oh, Selic fans are their usual paranoid self at best again. Mm. I don't want... Celtic to get dodgy decisions. I don't want a, you know, well, it might be nice for a while if Ross was refereeing or whatever, but I don't want a guy <laughs> diving the will Celtic fan giving us lots of dodgy calls. I just want the rules of the game applied fairly. And what VAR has shown since its inception in October, November, whenever it is, is that they seem to have cleared up the handball decision. It's basically anything that can prevent Celtic or hindrance Celtic and anything that can benefit Rangers. Because let's be honest, Connor Goldson's in the shoe-in for the Golden Glove Award at this rate because that's his third or fourth since VAR's been introduced and they've had nothing given for them. I hope to live to see the day where we get a VAR decision running in our favour, but I won't hold my breath. An old clip going around Twitter today of, uh, I think it was a game maybe two seasons ago and it was against Hamilton in the Scottish Cup and uh, the Hamilton player shoots it and Goldson literally puts his arm out and saves the shot. 
and there's not, there's nothing given against, and he must be like a part-time goalkeeper. Has to be written in his contract. But we have to, you know, you're saying Celtic for a new number one next season. You never know. Yeah. Good corner cross in the right and go between the sticks. Bingo! I mean, great shot, stopping skills like. Um, mm. So make quick reactions and get down low. His distribution with his feet's good as well. So <laughs> yeah, I have to make a call there. I mean, might have to make a call for hands. But look, lads, we'll we'll kind of park the negative chat. We know we're an RN and we're talking about parking the negative chat, Ross. But I mean, Ibrox or Tesco, whatever it should have been, was bouncing. Excuse the pun. And they're all cheering. They're all singing. They're all dancing. Celtic again, as I said, we were a shambles. We didn't play well, but. Jada comes on, leaves Tavernier for dead again. Seems to be a theme in, in these games of Meta and Jada doing it secondly. Comes in Moy, who again made a great difference to the game. I thought his first touch of the ball was a forward pass. Already didn't do enough of that. Moy was really impactful. I'll give it to him. I know people are going to be shocked and probably falling off their chairs. But <laughs> gets into the box. Moy kind of scuffs it. Jada runs in from his initial build-up play. Manages the back heel it. Jack Amakis again scuffs it and it falls to the, the Japanese magician Kyogo, who, by the way, was missing during the whole game. But he pops up, Ross, and scores the goal that we come away with a point and our nine points remain intact. Aye. Uh, and, I mean, we've sort of poked at Ange about his selection, his, his lineup selection and his tactics and stuff like that. But I think you have to you credit him on his substitutions, they worked. And I don't think it was any coincidence, by the way, that Rangers had went to they'd went to a front two and they totally took Callum McGregor out of the game and Celtic weren't really getting much joy going forward. And then when they retreated and let Celtic come on to them, Callum McGregor got his foot in the ball and he found the pass to Moy and we got the goal at the end of it. And Kyogo pops up, he's in the number 10 role because Giacomacus is further forward and he gets his goal coming in for a wee bit deeper. So you have to credit Ange on his substitutions and obviously I think he probably knew that Rangers would retreat and it would allow Cal McGregor to get back into the game. But you have to credit Beal as well for like nullifying McGregor if you like. Um, but aye, it was... It was a big goal, a big goal in the context of the season uh, in terms of keeping Rangers at bay, just at arm's length. Uh, it, it sucked the life right out of them. And it's just, I think I seen a stat yesterday, something like in the final 15 minutes of games, I think Celtic have got 17 goals or it was either 14 or 17 goals. That's a lot of goals. And it's just testament to the way we play. Angel alluded to it in his interview. It just it doesn't matter what happens in the game. We just keep sticking to our principles, doing the same things, believing that eventually we'll get our rewards. And large parts large parts of the game we had to dig in. Uh, and just before we got our equaliser, big CCV CCV with that sliding block for I think it was Tillman. That was as good as a goal. And it gave us the opportunity to then go and Kyogo scores that goal and he's in the net getting the ball. He's wanting another one. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That's that just typifies the way the way we play and the mindset. But I uh, it was a massive goal. It was a bit scrappy, but Kyogo, I think that's the first time. Um, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, it's the first time he's played ninety minutes against in fact I think maybe one other time, but it was the time that Ibrox when he was used out wide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, 
he's got his goal. And nobody played well, but Kyogo still got his goal. And this is yeah. the guy who is out of form, not good enough at times. Maybe not good enough. Maybe not not good enough. I think that that's harsh. But people have been getting into him, and he he still pops up. I think he's a top scorer. He still pops yeah. up with big goals, time time again. And yesterday was no different. I think one of the epitomise as well, like with Kyogo, and obviously the papers try and create a bit of hype, Anthony. Saying he hasn't scored against uh, Rangers in however many appearances, I think it would be four or five, but then you kind of point that around the their star striker, Morelos, didn't score against us in like 450 games. So the narrative of trying to spin all the time is absolutely unbelievable. But you called out Carter Vickers at the start of the show. and What I loved, and it epitomised his attitude, he literally had to hold the two Rangers players and slid and managed the block and like so, someone coming as well. Absolutely fantastic defending. And it made up for maybe Starfelt having an off day. What I don't think helped Starfelt as well, Anthony, was having two right footers on the left-hand side of the fence. Kind of really kind of nullifies your kind of out ball and that t- type of thing. He had that with Taylor and that gone, that, that went. And you're right, Ross. Rangers went there back free very early on in the first half and kind of went 3-5-2 and Kent was drifting, causing problems and kind of sticking on Cal McGregor and, as you said, kind of nullified him. But when they got that second goal off, they kind of, their instinct was to sit back and protect the lead and it just kind of didn't work out. Although we still weren't playing well, but <clears throat> as I said, Moy came on, made an impact to Bada as well, making them runs and then Kyogo giving us a goal. And the heat got turned up in the kitchen was managed to get out. We're still nine points clear. How are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I think just it's kind of what we said before with a lot of the some of the big moments that happened in the game when a lot of them are going against you and your opponents got the upper hand. Their fans are up and they're um, behind them. Getting a late goal like that, it feels just as good as a winner for me. I went absolutely tonto in the, in the house yesterday. <laughs> I apologise to my sister's neighbours because uh, I don't know if any of them were on the night shift, but they certainly would have got woke when that one went in. But it's just, I, Ross is spot on with the, the in terms of the substitutions. I thought it was a great move to actually, although I agree Kyogo didn't have a, a great game at all, I thought he was A, star of the service, but B, I, I don't really think he, he got into the game much. But I think leaving him on and then Giacomacus coming on, that, that was something I don't really think they were probably prepared for. It would have been, right, he'll probably start Kyogo and he'll bring Giacomacus on, like, you know, the, the, the way it sort of normally goes. But putting those two on, it was just something that we've not seen very much of and sort of another thing that they had to try and work out. And it's just, as Ross said, that's one of the great things about Yakimakis. He didn't quite, um, obviously, but it's just in terms of the control of the ball when it was going across it, but it was just putting his body in there, making it awkward for the defence. And we got that wee But some that we, despite all our attacking play, we very actually rarely get it that wee break of the ball in the box and it fell perfectly for Kyogo. Although he still had a lot to do, don't get me wrong, but he'd ice in his veins, put it in the roof of the net and we, like you say, you get away, not any further, you know, Rangers are no further forward despite, <coughs> um, you know, four, five games in now since since the break's returned. You know, I remember back in April when we won there 2-1, that was us to go six points clear and that was yeah. seen as, you know, a massive result. We're now, and I accept there's obviously a lot longer it goes in the season still but to come away if somebody had said to you you know at the start of the season you'll come back for the World Cup and uh, 
you'll have a game where so much it will go against you at Ibrox, but you'll get the late goal and you'll be nine points clear, essentially 10 with the goal difference, with a chance to go 12 clear before they have a very tough trip, mm -hmm. I reckon, to Tanadice on Sunday. If we can turn up the heat ourselves on Saturday, don't be surprised if the Arabs uh, do us a wee favour. Charlie Mulgrew will have them right up for it, I'm sure. But um, it will never, I don't think it will be ever regarded as a, a Derby classic, Stephen. No. But uh, by the same token, it's one that we'll, uh, we'll always remember for everything going against us mostly. And uh, But still coming up trumps and getting, getting the result we needed uh, to keep them at arm's length. I can almost imagine Willie's reaction, Ross, and Kyogo doing a, a clinical finish inside the box of the roof of the net. I mean, he's not the most clinical striker, I do agree, but he popped up and, as you said, Alfred, he was in the box and uh, Yakimakis made it awkward. He got the goal. We get the, the point and the stay kind of status quo. But the kind of did finish the port, off... Did the port of Stu go flying, Ross? <laughs> <laughs> the port of Stu wasn't even out at that point. Probably <laughs> wise <laughs> But to kind of kick it off now at the end of the show and stuff and I do appreciate everyone just want to come to the comments as well I know we haven't been on a lot recently but again it's been Christmas it's been New Year we're spending time with our families and stuff like that and we did a big literally a big three and a half hour special of who wants to be a millionaire so if you want to catch up on that in three or four parts of the week please do so it's good crack we will be reverting back to our normal schedule obviously Monday but the game is yesterday so we're on Tuesday and we'll be back again Friday, looking forward to the weekend's game, and then Monday, Friday, vice versa, and we'll keep going like that again. But thanks again for all the support. But to you, Alfie, quick fire. Right, I'm going to touch the wood here. Can we say the league is over? No, it's not. Um, pro, I'm purely just trying to think the way that Ange Postacoglu would. Um, it's not over. Of course, there's lots of, you know, it can just take a couple of, you know, draws away from home and then obviously, you know, a derby coming up and you you know, you don't know what's going to happen there. All all I would say, Stephen, is we're in a very, very good position. And the way that we're playing the way that we're approaching games so confidently, it's going to take the kind of collapse that we've really actually never seen before for, for Celtic not to win the league this year and obviously reap the rewards of uh, the Champions League income from next season again but uh, it, it's it's not over but we're in a very good position I'm not obviously trying to say that it's all done and dusted but what I'm trying to really mean by that is it seems to me Ross but as Anthony said we were happy going six points clear last season and many thought the league was over then we're nine points clear better goal difference need to probably pick up our form a wee bit more let's be honest here in terms of uh, finishing off teams and stuff like that coming off the back of this game but for me I think like it has to be as Avery said a, an absolute calamity that something happens and we drop all these points we've got I think 18 games left two more Glasgow derbies Ross are you confident? Aye I'm, I'm, you can only be confident with a, a 9 point lead plus a 20 goal better goal difference I think it is so it's essentially 10 points. Um, I think that nobody in the Celtic camp in terms of players' management are going to come out and say it's over until it's mathematically over. There, there's a point before that that we as fans can say it's over. I don't think we've reached that point yet. The league isn't over. What was that? The league, the league isn't it's over. It's not over until my head I think there's a point we as fans before the players and the manager can say that it's over. I don't think we've reached that point yet. 
I think it's very close. Um, you you had said there, obviously, the, the last time we went to Ibrox, we went six points clear and you could say it was over, but Anthony alluded to it. There's a lot more games. Yeah, there's a lot more games left now than there was then. Uh, purely, purely off of that alone, I think it's difficult to say it's over. But if Rangers drop any more points and we capitalise, or like Anthony has alluded to, we've got the opportunity to go 12 points clear. And I said a few weeks back, Rangers have played first every single time yep. since the return. This is our first chance to turn the screw on them. I said it last season when we were we were saying ask the question when we were six points behind. We asked the question. This time it's a different question we're asking, but we've got an opportunity to do it. And I think that if if we get the three points, I said it a few weeks back, that the first opportunity we get, we have to take it and they'll crumble. And I believe that they will. I think Tana Dice is a difficult one, they've found it difficult uh, the last couple of times. <laughs> that was a funny noise. They've, they've found it difficult the last few times at Tanadice. And I think under the immense pressure of being 12 points behind Celtic, I think you'll see them maybe drop points in that game. And then, if they do, if even if it's a draw, I think we can then say that the league is over. I think one more slip up for Rangers and we capitalise on it. It's done. Yeah. I think once you get in them double digits, to be honest, you're kind of, you're, you're wrapping it up and you're just waiting to, to get the handles and the, the trophy back at Celtic Park again, do you know what I mean? But everybody, Ross and Anthony, have you enjoyed this one? Back with a, a normal podcast. Thoroughly enjoyed being, just like back on and talking, talking about Celtic and it's really good that it's actually being a Celtic Rangers derby match that we've been able to talk about and mm. kind of, well it's a positive result in the end mm. yeah, yeah Bobby, I do agree, Stephen. it's always good being back on with you guys and uh, the derby reaction shows are always uh, they're always the ones you <laughs> want to be on uh, yeah as I say the Kyogo's late equaliser certainly made it worth one we worth look forward to coming on tonight well, to be honest, lads, it's still minus nine. And thanks, everyone, in the comments for getting involved and getting involved in the chat. Love the debate you have with each other and getting involved with us as well. And again, fewer takeover. Alistair Jack is next on. We're going to sort out a day for that in the future, buddy. So just uh, stay in touch with ourselves. Anyone else interested, get involved in it. Great crack with us. A couple of beers and all that. But till Friday, when we look ahead to the weekend's game, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail. <laughs>